moments where it's often it feels like the courteous thing to do is to big people up. But I just really want to say, in my life, Amy has been a course of so constant wisdom, friendship, um, and the way that she loves people is like the way I think Jesus loves people as well. I feel deeply loved whenever I'm in her presence, and I think that's what we'll feel as well when she comes and speaks to us this morning. Um, so, Amy, come, come on up. Let's pray and just ask that um, God would give us soft hearts to hear what he has for us through Amy. So Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you for your servant, Amy. And we are grateful for her presence with us this morning. And Jesus, we surrender our hearts to you afresh. And we ask that you would come and speak to us through the words that she has prepared. Come and land them in our hearts and do what you want to do in us and through us this morning. Amen. 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 Well, hello, everyone. Um, and uh, it is, uh, just whilst I unlock my computer, um, it is a huge honour to be here. Um, sometimes, actually, I unlock my computer and Roblox comes up um, because I have uh, four children and one of, is an 11-year-old um, that loves to steal my computer, wait, waste all the battery whilst playing Roblox. Says a lot about my parenting, probably. Um, okay, that's not turning. Hang on. Battery is at 30%. There you go. I've got 30%, guys. <laughs> I know. How long is 30%? Uh, but anyway, yes, thanks. Thanks so much, Kath. And I echo that back. I was just saying to Kath that um, uh, I, when we met, it was like you, you meet a kindred, don't you? You meet a kindred uh, spirit, and that has never died. And so long may it continue, my friend. Uh, but it's really good to be here. Um, I thought I would sort of start just sharing a little bit about my story um, and uh, sort of how I even ended up here. Um, but I, um, I basically grew up in a, a home, a Christian home, uh, that sort of did church. So they were Sunday people. And, uh, and so I sort of grew up in that environment, went to church every Sunday and did all the Sunday school stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I would say sort of in my um, growing up years, I never really owned my faith. Um, it was very much something that I did uh, because my parents made me go. And, uh, and even the stuff I learned, I look back and I'm like, I don't think I took anything in. Clearly the Lord is working because he's kind and works in mysterious ways, but I definitely don't think, uh, I don't remember that time being like, oh yeah, the, you know, I know all about Jesus through my Sunday school. Anyway, um, I sort of towards my teenage years, uh, my parents were there, they were um, sort of a little bit like they kind of eased off, I guess, effectively. And they said, you know, look, you, you can come, you know, as my, as became sort of 16, 17, 18. I was sort of like, oh, do you know, I, uh, I've got other things to do on a Sunday morning. Um, and they were like, that's okay. You know, you, you do you type thing. Uh, anyway, so I stopped going to church um, and uh, I went uh, on to university, so got through school and then went to university. And, um, and when I uh, got to university, the way that I explained my university years for those students here, uh, for me, when I arrived, it was like... Um, it was like a mirror was put um, in front of my face. And, uh, and the only way, it's like I had an unveiling of, I could see myself um, in a whole new way. And I hated who I saw, basically. Um, it was like I was suddenly aware and I was like, ugh, 
I really didn't like who I was. And, uh, and actually, um, instead of running to God, um, I ran to cover up myself, basically. Um, and so I sort of fell into um, anxiety and depression. I so desperately wanted the affirmation of guys to sort of affirm who I was. Um, I became obsessive about the gym um, and really cared about my outward appearance, um, got a really unhealthy relationship with food, all of that um, throughout my university um, years. And, uh, and it sort of led into sort of social anxiety and feeling like I spent a lot of time just in my room because it was the safest place to be. And, uh, and toward the end of my third year at university, um, I sort of got, to, you know, the classic rock bottom, but it really, truly was, you know, I was sort of so done. Um, and, and I had this sort of moment where I woke up um, in my mind and the, the thought that came into my mind, which now I look back as the work of the Holy Spirit, um, was like, your parents are really good people. Your family are really intelligent people. Um, what, if, what if this has some substance? You know, what if their faith has some substance? Um, and so I remember thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe. I don't really know. And so I began this sort of investigation. Um, and I, you know, sort of blew the dust off my Bible and started reading um, the scriptures and I, I sort of began to read books that I sort of heard of in, in the Christian world and the Christian circles and started reading all these books um, and, uh, and I started to, I, I think I went on three alphas <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'd got the, to the point at the end of my um, third year when I finished university that I had sort of decided in my head um, that Jesus was a man and he lived. The evidence was very, very clear. Um, and I believed he was who he said he was. And that was enough for me. It was like, okay, I, I believe that he, he is the son of God because that's who he said he is and he existed. And so I sort of was like, okay, good. It's in my head. I'm in, I'm in. But what I wasn't seeing is any life change. You know, I wasn't, I was still really insecure. I was really battling all of this stuff. And, uh, and so I went on a, 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 a post-university trip around the world, uh, which in, in my era, everyone did. It was like the sort of the student ticket around the world. And, uh, and I, got a, um, I went with a friend and we, you know, did the whole thing, you know, Thailand, Australia and da, da, da. And, um, and when we got to Australia, um, my sister was there randomly and she was part of um, this sort of Christian soul survivor, anyone heard of soul survivor, soul survivor uh, conference in Sydney. And, uh, and I had sort of got to this point where I was like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking that this is, this, is, this is true. But again, wasn't really seeing much fruit. And so I was beginning to dwindle, honestly. I was sort of like getting into my old ways and all of this. And, uh, and she said, come to, this, come to this conference, you know, it's going to be really good. And, you know, I'm here and you're here and it sort of makes sense. So I was like, all right. Um, so I came along and I met her in Sydney and, uh, and I was part of this uh, week-long uh, conference. And at the end of the week, um, I was sat, uh, I think, sort of at the back of, uh, of, the, of the marquee. And, uh, and there was this call to come forward uh, to receive Jesus. And, uh, and I, I don't know, I don't really remember much, but all I remember is I pegged it <laughs> to the front of the altar. And I, um, it always makes me cry because it's so deep. Um, but I ran to the altar and I held my hands out and I said, Lord, if you are real, if you are real, 
make yourself known to me. Make yourself known to me. And if you make yourself known to me, I am yours. I am your servant. I will give you everything. You know, this bargain with the Lord. Uh, But he's so kind, isn't he? So much more kind than we think he is. Um, And so I was begging him. I was literally standing there for about 10 minutes. And I was begging him. I was like, come on, Lord, show me that you're real. Show me that you're real. And uh, and in that moment, I was... um, I was filled with the presence of God. And, um, and for me, I had no context for this. I've never filled with the Spirit before. So I didn't know what it felt like to be um, filled with His presence. Um, and for me, in that moment, I, um, I was filled with a weight all over my body um, and this um, overwhelming sense of security. And, um, and I, I remember in my head, I was like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this moment. And I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, and uh, anyway, I sort of walked away in this sort of like, oh, I've just met God, you know, that evening. And, and, uh, and, I, and I, I went to bed. And, you know, they're great moments, aren't they? You know, they're moments where um, you're filled with the Spirit. I'm sure you've all had your own experiences. Um, but, you know, the most beautiful thing was I um, went to bed that night and I woke up the next day and it was literally like everything had changed. <laughs> like the, the, whatever had been opened in the, my first day at university had been like cleansed. And it was like, I woke up and it was like, oh my gosh, I am like so valuable. <laughs> I am like so important to God. I am of huge worth. I have huge dignity. I mean, I became like kick ass on, I was like the princess of the king, you know, having been so, um, you know, so down on myself. I was like, oh, do you know who I am? Do you know, type thing. Um, And this overarching um, sense of purpose you know, I had felt so, so much in my life, this sort of, the overarching anxiety of like, oh, I can't do life on my own. I can't make decisions. I'm so, you know, what do I do? How, what job do I do? Where do I go? What do I? And it was like, oh, I don't, I don't have to do this life alone. I don't have to do this on my own anymore. I get to ask God, the creator of the universe, what I should do. You know, it was like, oh, it was so fun. It was like this invitation to this incredible adventure. Um, and also, um, things shifted. So like I, um, I was actually like smoking a lot of cigarettes at the time. I woke up the next day and I, I actually detested the smell. It was like gone, like just couldn't even be near the smell. Um, and then other things, and you know, loads and loads of desires just changed overnight. And um, anyway, and uh, and then I basically been on this um, journey with the Lord, where He's taken my, you know, He said, "Take my hand," and He has sort of led me on. And I could go on and on about all the wonderful things He has done in my life. Um, but I, um, at the beginning of this year, so in, in January. Um, I took a quiet day. Um, as I said, I've got four children and it's mental. And Johnny was like, my husband was like, go, you know, go and be on your own for a day. Um, so I went to be on my own and I sort of began um, this silent retreat, uh, sort of saying to the Lord, you know, what are you saying to the world? <laughs> uh, what are you saying to your church? What's the vision for my life this next year? What do you want from me? You know, asking all these questions. And, um, and I, I felt like the Lord um, kept reminding me of my story. 
oh, he just like kept um, bringing me back to um, all the things that he's done in my life. You know, all the ways in which he has um, like healed me. Honestly, miraculous healing. Like stuff about um, the weight and anxiety about what I, what I look like. I just, it's, it's gone, completely gone. I am totally and utterly healed from that. I mean, it's like miraculous gift of grace that is not, I'm not entitled to. Just pure gift. And he was reminding me and reminding me of all these things, you know, um, that he has uh, done. And, um, and I, as I was sort of reflecting, he kept on bringing it back. And as I was reflecting upon this, um, I feel like he was basically saying um, the power of your story and the power of what God has done is basically um, the invitation that he has to me, which is said, take my hand and we're going to go on a journey of you giving more and more and more of yourself to me. (laughs) More and more um, of the things that you want to hide, the things that you want to control, the things that you want to rule over. He's like, I'll have that. I'll have that. I'll have that. I'll have that. And actually, as I've been on this journey with Christ, as I've given of giving more and more of my life, the byproduct has been healing. The byproduct has been peace. You know, the byproduct has been uh, the gift of of Jesus' presence um, in my life. And um, and I really believe that He was reminding me um, of this given my questions I was asking at the silent retreat. But he was reminding me of this because I felt like what he was saying was that he wants his church to be dependent again. He wants his church to be dependent again. He wants his church to be followers, just followers, to be sheep. (laughs) Not trying to be the shepherd, but be the sheep again, trusting the shepherd with our whole lives regardless of where it leads, you know, regardless of where it leads, obedience, full stop, not obedience when you sort of know where you're going, but obedience when you have no clue, you know, obedience where there is no bow at the end. Maybe there's crap at the end, but it's obedience because I'm a sheep. I'm a follower and my job is to be obedient to him. You know, in Genesis, as I was sort of thinking about this, in Genesis, um, you know, when you think about pre-fall, this beautiful, dependent relationship that Adam and Eve has um, with God the Father. Um, And I was sort of thinking about this and how interesting um, it was that actually pre-fall, you know, I don't think Adam and Eve were perfect. You know, you can sort of fight me on that later. But I don't, I don't think they were perfect because they had the ability to sin, didn't they? They had the ability to fall into temptation. But what they were, were perfectly obedient to the one that is perfect. You know, they didn't even know that they were naked. Their eyes were so fixed on him. And I just believe that that is what he is intending for us. To be perfectly dependent upon him. And obviously it's, you know, it's Jesus that enables us to be perfectly dependent. But that's the aim. Perfect dependence, nothing else, looking side to side, just totally and utterly fixed on God, completely given over, nothing hidden, all under God's reign and rule, all of it, all of our lives under him. And I, um, I was listening to this podcast by Mark Sayers, which I'm sure many of you have heard of, and, and he was discussing, um, he was just talking about the, the landscape of anxiety and worry and all of that. Um, and he was saying, you know, there, there's this cry from the world of like rest, like we need to rest 
Like give us rest. You know, like we long for um, for peace. And then part of this podcast, he then talked and sort of unpacked in the scriptures this relationship between rule and rest. The relationship between rule and rest. That true rest comes when we allow God to rule over everything. But we're sort of like, give me the rest. Give me the rest. Give me the peace. Give me the rest. But how hard is it to let him then rule over every single part of your life? That's where true rest is found. I know it's hard. Believe me. I know it's hard. But that's where we find rest. You know, Jesus lived, died and rose again so we can live in him, that we can cling to Jesus. And he invites us into this life. He invites us into the light of Christ in, in all the mess, all the good, all the ugly. And so discipleship then, I would argue, discipleship then is learning to hide in him. Discipleship is learning to hide in him, to abide in him, to cling to him, to depend on him with everything. And so that was actually all the introduction, sorry. Um, so I, my question this morning to all of us is what does it mean then to abide? What does it mean to abide? And why does he call us to abide? What does it mean to abide and why does he call us to abide? And we're going to be um, checking out John 15 if you hadn't guessed already. Um, so if you've got your Bible, I think they're on your seats. Um, if you go to John 15, we're just going to park in here for a bit and then I'm just going to give you some thoughts and then we're going to pray. Um, okay, I'm just going to read it. We're just going to go from one, uh, verse 1 to 8. He, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that, bears, that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, so there's loads in there. We're just going to pick out three things and then you can go home and do your own study. Um, but firstly, we abide because he is the true vine. We abide because he is the true vine. Verse one, I am the true vine. Um, and when we um, hear about vine in the, in the scriptures, um, in the Old Testament, it's a metaphor. Um, so the metaphor of the, the vine and the vineyard, is, the vineyard is used to, it's used to describe Israel. Israel is the vine which God had planted. And what we know about Israel is that they failed. <laughs> they failed to be the true vine. They failed to keep um, holy 
blameless lives, you know, to, to be able to come into the Lord's presence without blame. You know, they failed. And we were two guys, by the way. This is no condemnation. Um, they failed. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And the good news is then that Jesus accomplished it. You know, Jesus accomplished it. He lived the fullest humanity, completely blameless and holy. And he then made a way to the Father by conquering sin and death on the cross. You know, he is the true vine. So we can stop trying to be. He is the true vine. He is the one that has fulfilled it all. He is the perfect human. He is the one that we can cling to. He is the true vine. So we can stop trying to be. We don't need to be the vine. We live then in Jesus's victory. When we cling to Jesus, when we abide with Him, we live in the victory of Christ. He accomplished what we would never, ever be able to accomplish. God needed to intervene because we couldn't do it on our own. This is, this is excellent news. This is such good news that God sent Jesus to fulfill what we would never be able to fulfill. And then he says, now come to me, cling to me. I've done it. You don't have to do it. I've done it. I've done it. I have the victory. I have all authority. Cling to me. Verse five, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything without him because he is the true vine. The one that, you know, he is the one that holds all sustenance. He carries all goodness. You know, he is perfectly rooted in the Father. Even thinking of the vine, you know, he's perfectly rooted. He's perfectly rooted in the Father. We will never be able to without Christ. We will never be able to. He has done it. He is perfectly rooted to the Father. So when we abide and cling to him, we gain this. Are you getting me? He, we gain this. And as we abide and hold on to the true vine, I'm literally picturing me like clinging on to the vine, you know. We also, in that, we gain authority in the name of Jesus over darkness because he has conquered sin and death. We gain, in Jesus' name, the same authority over darkness. And we know, don't we? The enemy is prowling around. He's lying to us all the time. You know, we're bombarded with lies. He is prowling around. And even I was doing, um, I spoke on Lent uh, the other day in, in our church. And, uh, and I was talking about um, the Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness. And, uh, you know, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And we know the story. And, um, and, and, and the enemy's just lying. And all these particular lies and all these particular temptations come. And he overcomes he, Jesus overcomes the tempter voice, overcomes the voice that wants to bring, bring death, wants to derail. Jesus in the wilderness overcomes. And as I was even studying this, it was like, I realised it's not, you know, oh, poor Jesus that the Spirit led. You know, that's a bit unkind, God, to lead Jesus in temptation. It's His mercy and kindness that He led Jesus into the temptation because He knew we will go there, that we live in it. 
And so he's overcome the voice of the tempter. So in Jesus' name, we can. It's His mercy. So when we abide, when we cling, we have the same authority in Jesus' name to overcome, overcome the enemy's voice in our minds. We get to say, again, I can't read it now, but Jesus says at the end of the, the last temptation, He says, away from me, Satan. Away from me, Satan. And He goes. Go home and read it. He's fulfilling that for us. So when you're tempted, when you're lied, when you know there's deception coming, we can say, away from me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Isn't that good? It's so good. I'm so pleased about that because I get lied to all the time. It's the same authority. Jesus has done it on our behalf. So in Jesus, we can say, pee off. I'm not taking it. Yet we come under it, we collude, we shake hands with the enemy. And he's like, no, I've just died and rose again. That the power is in you to say, go away from me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Oh, try it. Try it this week and see. Uh, we've been laughing about it because I went crazy a couple of weeks ago with church. And uh, people keep coming up to me and say, I'm saying it. Go away from me, Satan, in Jesus' name. And they're seeing it. It's like they're claiming claiming what is ours to claim. We've lost it. Or we pretend that Satan doesn't even exist and the enemies, you know, just are bad choices. So much more than this. And Jesus conquered it. So we have the tools in our pocket to, um, to, to live in that authority. Okay. Um, okay, so to abide is to have the authority over our enemies. Uh, I've just said all that. Brilliant. Okay, secondly then, uh, we abide because we are being made new. We abide to be made new. Um, verse two, if you um, want to go down, it says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And so it will bear more fruit, etc." I read it. Um, you know, what? when we abide, we are becoming um, new people. We're becoming like Jesus. We are uh, bearing fruit. You know, we, we aren't supposed to fix ourselves. You know, we're not supposed to fix ourselves. We come to the vine, imperfect, broken, messed up. And if you didn't know that about yourselves, now you do. I am broken, messed up, failed every day. We come to the vine, imperfect. We don't just sort of... um, fix up our little branch on the side, you know, give it a little bit of a shave or, you know, whatever, rub it down and then like super glue it onto the vine. What's that? That isn't what happens, is it? You know, he, he asks us to come to him really simply. He says, come to me, come to me. And we give our all as he leads us. We give him everything and he bears the fruit It comes from the vine. He bears the fruit in us. Our job is to simply say, have it all. Have it all. And so this is a journey then of allowing him, and it is allowing, allowing him to form us into his image. And I think sometimes when I read this, sometimes we can, um, it's easy to get confused, I think, about what the fruit even is. You know, what, um, what does he mean by fruit? 
And, you know, he isn't, he's not speaking about some snazzy ministry or some sort of um, great achievement necessarily. This isn't what he's talking about. We don't measure fruit by, by that stuff. You know, the fruit is Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit. We're doing, a, um, we're, we're doing a series in Revelation, actually, at the moment. And uh, we're talking about the church in Sardis, uh, which is one of the churches that Jesus basically rebukes. And, um, and he is saying um, to the church in Sardis, he's saying, you know, you've got a great reputation. You are doing so much snazzy ministry, so much, you know, achievements galore. And some of it's great. And he's like, well done. It's great. You're doing great. Um, but you're dead. But you're dead. And I think it's because of the fruit. Like, where's the fruit of Jesus in this church? And it can, we can be taken off because it's like, well, I'm doing great stuff. You know, I'm bearing great fruit, but I'm an absolute plonker. I'm dead. I am dead because I'm not in the vine. Francis Chan says that the road to maturity is becoming like Christ. He forms us as we simply abide, as we stay close to Jesus, we will see the fruit. We just will. He said it. We will see fruit when we cling to Jesus. You know, are you in the room, honestly? You know, I speak to myself as well. Are you exhausted? Like trying so hard to break addictions in your life. You know, so, um, trying so hard to break patterns of thinking or anxiety. It's like, if I just do this enough, or, you know, I've got to be kinder, you know, I'm just going to try really hard today to be kind, you know, self-control, all of it. You know, it's like, are you just knackered? Trying so hard to fix up that branch Or are we abiding? Are we spending our energies learning to abide, learning to cling, learning to stay connected to him? How am I doing for time? Because I won't share this story. Yeah. <clears throat> I, um, I wrote this sort of a little brackets to myself here and I'll just share it just in case it, it helps anyone. Um, but when I, um, uh, when I was um, sort of coming out of um, some of this stuff around my body, body image and all this stuff, um, I was very much happily walking with the Lord and we were, you know, having a great time and all that. And, uh, uh, and there was this pair of trousers in my life. Uh, it sounds so silly, but I'm sure maybe some people can try and understand. Um, there was this pair of trousers in my life where when I wore these trousers, it was like um, everything was okay because I fit into them. <laughs> Any girls? You know. So it was like, so I wore these trousers. It's like, okay, if I fit into these trousers, everything's okay. You know, I'm doing all right in the world because these trousers fit. You might have your own story with, maybe it's your bank account. Maybe it's something else that you sort of, is your safety net. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was walking in this and I was allowing the Lord to form me as we were abiding, uh, he, you know, he was like, uh, one morning in his kindness, he said, oh, um, he said, oh, tell me about those trousers. <laughs> And I was like, not the trousers. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and as I was sort of praying about it, I felt like the Lord say, um, they're, a, they're an idol, basically. 
because they make you feel secure when I want to make you feel secure. And, uh, and I was like, oh, but they do. And it's so hard. You know, I don't want to, you know, having this conversation. I was like, I just don't want to. And he said, all you need to do is ask me to have them. That's it. That's all you need to do is say, here you go. And so, um, and so I sat there and I simply said to the Lord, Jesus, I'm really struggling with this. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to give you my trousers. Um, and something happened in that moment where I gave him rule over those. I didn't then go away from that moment and burn them. I didn't go away from that moment and, um, you know, throw them away or put them in a bottom drawer. I literally said that. And then the power shift, because I gave him power over them, I then carried on in my life. And I was like, oh God, those trousers, I don't even, haven't even seen them. I haven't even needed to, these completely, um, the power just went as, I, as he sort of took me on this journey of, of him ruling. And now, you know, I don't know where they are. And so I guess the reason that came to my mind was this, I think sometimes we, we think that we need to form us with his help. But actually, he wants us to give us all of our struggles and allow him to form us. And he might then say, you know, okay, well, you've given them, let's try this. And he gives them the power and the help in order to then walk that journey out. Whatever it is that you're struggling with him, take his hand and obey him as he um, leads you into um, that freedom story like I did. Okay. Three, we abide to bring him glory. Verse eight, it says, this is my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, we are to hide in Christ really simply because we want Jesus to be known. You know, it's not luxury to deal with our rubbish. It brings him glory that we bear the fruit of Jesus in our lives. And I think sometimes this is like a pet peeve, but sometimes it's like, oh yeah, all that emotion stuff, all that stuff where it's like, oh, you know, how do I dive into my sort of inner world can feel like, you know, some people are, oh, it's just a bit flowery, you know, I'll leave it to the counsellors. And it drives me nuts because this is for the sake of the glory of God that we say, I want to abide, but there is so much stuff that I'm going to cling to you with and bear fruit in me that I might represent Jesus in the world. Because the, the world doesn't need more Amy Hughes's. The world needs Jesus, needs the Jesus in, Jesus in me to be seen. And so we just need to get out of the way, basically. Okay, I am coming into land. So then, how? <clears throat> how then do we abide? How do we abide? Um, because uh, the word abide is a verb. It's a doing word. It's an active word. Um, and it means to stay, doesn't it? It means to stay. That means that it, it takes intentionality to stay. Um, so how then do we stay connected to Jesus? I've got a few real, real simple thoughts that have helped me um, and then we can pray. Um, the first thought is that we, um, this is really basic, but surrender daily, every single day, every day, wake up and say, Lord, this day is yours. This day is yours. This isn't my day. This is yours. I give you my day. Simple, say it, 30 seconds and mean it. Like literally imagine giving him your day. Surrender again. Surrender the things that you know you're going to struggle with this day. Surrender whatever it is. My children every day, you know, they're yours, all of that. Um, surrender daily and receive the new mercy. 
We're going to receive that new mercy that comes, as Kath said, every single day. You know, he's so kind. And the bottom line is that he wants you, he wants you to come to him. Bottom line, every single day. He wants you to come to him. Nothing is too much. No failure is too much. He just wants you to come every single day and say, here I am. This is all I am. Take it completely. And as you wake up, receive his love afresh every single day. Wake up early. Um, You know, again, say, you know, I'm rooted and established in love. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You know, I speak that stuff over myself every single day. um, And it has absolutely changed my life because I'm rooting myself and establishing myself in the love of God, which enables us to abide with him. Who wants to abide with someone you think hates you or thinks is disappointed with you? Or thinks that is, um, you know, is going to condemn you if I come a bit close. We need to remind ourselves of how in love he is with you. You know, it says that he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. It's Christ's love that compels us. Okay, another thought to help us intentionally um, abide is build intimacy moments. Build intimacy moments where only he and you know about it. You know, all day, like build those moments where you're just having a conversation. Maybe you've got like a bit of an in-joke. Maybe you'll say, oh Lord, what do you, Jesus, what do you think of that river or that tree or that person or whatever? You know, it's like, like chat to him, like be intimate with him. I went running the other day. I say the other day because it was sort of once. And, um, <laughs> and I was running and I was listening to worship music and, um, and uh, I felt like, uh, you know, when sometimes you're running and I was like, really like, oh, I'm really feeling it. And I felt like the Lord say, go on then, lift up your hands, lift up your hands, worship me, you know, and I was like running. And, uh, and as I was running, I was like, oh, it's a, it a bit embarrassing. But I was like, do you know what? This is an intimacy moment. And so I like, <laughs> you know, I was like, like really running and praising and looking an absolute, but it was me and him and now you all. But he, but he and I knew that. I'm building the intimacy where he and I only get to see it. Jesus says, doesn't he? Go to a secret place. Pray where no one else can see. Build that intimacy with him. Um, And it might be in your car where no one can see. It might be in your kitchen or wherever it is, your bedroom. Just sing to him, worship to him. Say, I love you, Jesus. But no one else can know that you're saying that. It's like fall in love with him again. Abide with the lover. Um, I um, at Christmas time, um, my, my I've got I've got twins that are my youngest, and one of them um, at her school, uh, there was this sort of come and look at a Christmas tree and sing a carol <laughs> at the school, and uh, for loads of reasons we couldn't go to it basically. Um, mainly no, there were reasons why we couldn't go to it. Um, and uh, anyway, and so we couldn't go. And that evening, um, we were sat around having dinner. And, uh, and I could tell that my um, daughter Anna was sad. And, and I was like, oh, you know, and I knew just intuitively, I knew that she actually really desired to go to this carol and Christmas tree lighting. And I was like, <laughs> bad mum moment. And, uh, but there were real reasons why we couldn't go. And, uh, and as I was thinking about it and I was saying to the Lord, you know, oh, sorry that I missed that with Anna. And um, I, re- I was reminded that I felt like what God was saying to me was that your desire, um, your, your um, sadness to not know Anna's desire um, hurt you, even though she doesn't understand the reasons why we can't. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me that I love knowing 
what you desire. Even though I can see above it, I can see that maybe, you know, that's not going to work for reasons that I'm just not going to understand. He's like, I want to know all of it. I want to know your heart's desires. I want to know what you want to do. Because it glorifies him. He, he loves it when we tell him what we want. And then finally, we just invite him into everything. We depend on him for everything. You know, at work, before you go to work, I'm sure you all do this, but as you're walking through the front door, say, you're coming too, Lord. You know, before you go into a meeting, you say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you just guide me in this meeting? Will you just come before me? When you're parenting, like, Holy Spirit, just come. You know, we're here, we're going to talk about Jesus. You know, invite him into everything. This is what it means to abide. You will bear fruit. Just keep bringing him in, everything, into everything, into everything. Um, and, uh, and I'll just land with this. When I, um, even this week, I've been um, studying the Sermon on, on the Mount again um, and reading um, in Matthew's Gospel. And I was sat with my twins who came, um, who liked to come into bed with me in the morning. And, uh, and we were talking about um, uh, what, you know, what Jesus was talking about in Matthew. And, um, and there was this bit that I said to them. I said, isn't it amazing that... Um, that in Matthew 6, Jesus says, um, the Father knows what you need before you even ask. And my girls were like, oh, I said, yeah, isn't it amazing that before you go to school, he knows what your day is going to be like, and he knows the moments of need in your day. Um, and they were like, that's so cool. And we, kind of, we sort of um, remembered it together. And ever since then, I've prayed like that. I've said, Lord, you know, you know my day. You know it. I don't even know. I don't even know what I need this day. But you know what I need this day, and I'm praying it into being in Jesus' name. My daughter, Gracie, you know what her day looks like. You know what she's going to need. I pray that into being over Johnny, over Eden, over Anna, over people in my workplace. You know what they need. That's dependence. I don't need to know. He knows and so I'm asking his knowledge in to, um, to their lives. I guess the simple message is um, simply let go, bring your whole life to him and, um, and see the fruit that will come from that place. Do you want to share, Tanya, um, your word? And then um, shall we pray? I am literally sweating. <laughs> I never sweat. I'm like always so cold. Um, yeah, I was just praying yesterday before we came. Didn't actually know at this point what Amy was going to speak on. But um, the picture I had was of the sea and this boat in the sea. And in this, in this boat was Jesus. And then I was kind of like, my eyes were taken to the left and I could see there were some people in the water, calm water, but like treading water. And there were some people in the choppy waters treading water. And then I just saw Jesus with, um, a, you know, those life boy rings that you have. I had to look at what they're called, life boy rings. And they were attached to a rope. And he was, he was you know, doing this, lassoing them out to bring people in, bring people into the boat, into safety with him. But I was struck by um, wherever the different people are in, the, in their life, whether it's feeling a bit choppy or whether it's feeling calm, but you're, you're treading water. There's a choice to um, stop treading water and to like, like rest into this ring and be pulled into him um so just a sense yeah it is obviously abide in him but that actually Jesus is is for all of us here in this room he's actually that is his message today are some of us treading water and need to be drawn in
Um, yeah. Yeah. You want to start? Should we pray? And Kath, I don't know whether you want to. So why don't you, um, the vineyard posture, right? Um, if you, it's just a, it's, there's no magic, obviously, in putting your hands out in front of you, but it's simply an embodiment that says, I'm here, Lord. I'm, I'm open to how you want to um, move in my life right now. And so I'm just going to simply ask, um, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're already here. We are, you are already here, and we're so grateful for your presence, but we're asking for more. We're asking for more of your presence now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait. Come, Lord Jesus. It's in your heart. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Come meet with me afresh. Come meet with me afresh.